Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Sports Show. I hope you are well and have a great sporting week. I'm on my own today and today I'm going to talk about some sporting scandals. So in many of the episodes we have shared with you over the past four years, we've spoken about some well-known sporting scandals. Now last episode we spoke about the infamous Crashgate scandal where the Renault Formula One team instructed instructed their driver Nelson Piquet Jr. to deliberately crash during the race to help teammate Fernando Alonso. Now some other well-known ones we've spoken about include the off-field scandals with NRL players, the Melbourne Storm salary cap breach, Sandpaper Gate and the Aussie cricket team in 2018, often considered by many to be the lowest point in Aussie cricket history. There was former American ice skater Nancy Kerrigan being attacked just before the 1994 Winter Olympics, and Pete Rose and his gambling problem, and Maradona and the Hand of God, Michael Vick and his implication in a dogfighting ring, and how can we not forget Tiger Woods and his many mistresses? There was the craziness of O.J. Simpson driving away from police for the world to see and being arrested and accused of murder. We also had the great Shane Warne and his many scandals, testing positive for a banned substance and being suspended on the eve of the 2003 Cricket World Cup, the sexting, and with former cricket great Mark Wall being caught up in the dealings with a bookie, where they were accused of planning with an Indian bookie, revealing pitch details and weather conditions. How can we, we not forget former rugby league bad boy John Hopawadi and his infamous indiscretions on and off the field? And there was Marion Jones, the golden girl of the track at the Sydney 2000 Olympics. And then about nine years later, testing positive to steroids and being stripped of all her medals. Also the controversial Chinese swimmer Sun Yang, the koala bear of swimming and some of his competitors justifiably refusing to stand on the podium with him and refusing to acknowledge his victory. And in horse racing, there was the 1984 fine cotton affair, which involved some of racing's elite. And Dawn Fraser's famous prank when she pinched a flag from the entrance to the Emperor's Palace at the 1964 Tokyo Olympics and getting in trouble with the law. And there was also the FIFA corruption scandal and Seb Platter and Michael Platini. And how can we not forget the farcical 1904 St. Louis Olympics marathon and the cheating that went on involved in that. And Greg Chappell in 1981 ordering his younger brother Trevor to bowl an underarm delivery in a one-day international final against New Zealand. And the well-known bodyline scandal in the 1932-33 Ashes series. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about some other sporting scandals here in Australia and around the world where sports people have been involved in illegal or unethical behaviours over a period, with many leading to being banned from their sport, sometimes even lifetime bans. And some of these scandals you'll be well familiar with some of them you may not be aware of. So, 
Okay, so we're going to jump straight into our quiz now. And we've got six quick questions this week. And they all have to do with sporting scandals. So I'll read the question out once. And we'll have a bit of thinking music. We've got some new thinking music today. And then I'll reveal the answer. So question number one. What was the name of the American city whose team spokesman later revealed that they had bribed several highly ranked IAC members into voting for them so they could win a bid to host the 20, 2002 Winter Olympics? And the answer is Salt Lake City. Question number two. What country in 2019 was banned from all major sporting events, including the Olympic Games for four years and stripped of 48 Olympic medals when it was discovered it was involved in the systematic doping of many of its athletes? And the answer is Russia. Third question. What NFL team was involved in the 2007 Spygate scandal where they were found to be filming some of the other team's practice sessions? And the answer is the New England Patriots. Question number four. What is the name of the AFL team and the NRL team that were involved in the infamous 2013 doping scandal, which was led by the controversial sports scientist Stephen Dank? And the answer is Essendon Bombers and the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks. Question number five. What is the name of the former South African cricket captain who was banned from the game for life due to his role in a match-fixing scandal. The answer is Hansi Cronje. Question number six, last one. What was the name of the scandal in which the great New England quarterback Tom Brady ordered the deliberate deflation of footballs in a 2014 AFC Championship game against the Indianapolis Colts. And the answer is Deflategate. So we'll move on to our Who Am I? So this week we're going to talk about a basketball legend. And this was a scandal I knew nothing about, actually. I was surprised. So 
He's a famous American basketballer, so I was born in 1978 and I'm a former American professional basketball player who is widely regarded by many as one of the greatest basketball players of all time. I spent my entire 20-year career with the one team in the NBA and played as a shooting guard, helping my team win five NBA championships. I was an 18-time All-Star and 15-time member of the All-NBA team. Now, according to the Bleacher Report, in 2003, it was reported that I'd been arrested for sexually assaulting a hotel employee in California. The matter was settled outside court after the woman refused to testify. I strongly claim that I never assaulted the woman and that the sex was consensual. The scandal hurt my image, especially considering that I was married at this time. However, I worked hard in successfully restoring my image in the years that followed. Now, tragically, in 2020, and at just 41 years of age, I died along with my daughter in a helicopter crash. Many tributes and memorials were subsequently issued following my death, which included renaming the All-Star MVP Award in my honour. My name is... And I'll reveal the answer at the end of the episode. I'm going to talk about some other sporting scandals now. Some of the ones that we haven't really covered much in previous episodes. So the first one I'll talk about, and it's going right back over 100 years ago. It's the Black Sox in baseball. The Black Box, the, the Black Sox scandal, sorry. So it took, took place during the 1919 World Series when the Chicago White Sox were playing the Cincinnati Reds. Now the series featured eight players who had been banned for life from Major League Baseball for, for deliberately attempting to lose games during this series in order to gain large sums of money. And it was organised by White Sox player Arnold Gandel, who convinced his teammates to do it. Now, according to the Bleacher Report, a great movie called Eight Men Out was made about this infamous scandal. And how can we not forget about some of the, the scandals in the cycling world? And Floyd Landis, so the former American cyclist who, when racing at the 2006 Tour de France, was far behind during the 16th stage. However, in the next stage, made a remarkable comeback. It brought much speculation, and when Landis' urine samples came back, it showed he was three times over the, over the amount of testosterone that was in his body. Now, this appeared to strike the match regarding doping and cycling, and what followed was a huge number of other cyclists who had used steroids or another type of performance-enhancing drug. And Lance Armstrong. Now, Floyd Landis had begun to make accusations that Armstrong was very much involved in blood doping. Having survived testicular cancer, Armstrong had inspired many around the world in the late 1990s, and he went on to win a remarkable seven Tour de France's, becoming a legend of the sport. However, it all changed in 2012 when he faced allegations of using banned drugs and utilising illegal blood transfusions. Now, justifiably, Armstrong was stripped of his seven titles 
and received a lifetime ban from the sport. And there's been quite a number of scandals in the tennis world, especially in recent years. And with uh, Maria Sharapova, now the glamour queen of tennis and the former world number one player and four-time Grand Slam title winner, who has won each of the four Grand Slams, probably the best female tennis player to come out of Russia. Now, Sharapova, now she failed a wider drug test while playing at the 2016 Australian Open. She received a two-year ban for taking the banned substance, meldonium. However, the ban was later reduced to 15 months after it was found Sharapova did not take the supplements intentionally. And there was Martina Hingis too, the Swiss miss, the Swiss tennis legend, the former world number one. She won a Grand Slam at title at 16 years of age. Former world number one, she won five Grand Slam singles titles and especially she excelled in doubles, winning 13 Grand Slam doubles titles and seven career mixed doubles titles. And in 2017, she tested positive. Now, I'll see if I can pronounce this drug right. Benzolegonine. Now, it's a metabolite of cocaine. And Hingis was given a two-year ban from tennis and coincidentally announced her retirement from the sport. And the great Andre Agassi, another tennis legend, eight-time Grand Slam singles winner, an Olympic gold medalist. Now, he also found himself in strife for doping when he tested positive for using methamphetamine and served a three-month suspension from professional tennis. Now, Agassi denied the allegations at first. However, later confessed, admitting he used it in 1997 to deal with personal and professional problems. And some well-known ones in track and field over the years say... Randy Barnes, so he's a former American shot putter who held the world record from 1990 to 2021 and won Olympic gold in 1996. Now he was banned for 27 months in 1990 for using anabolic steroids and then a lifetime ban in 1998 after testing positive for androstenodyne which is an over-the-counter supplement that was famously used by baseball player Mark McGuire. Now, Barnes claimed he did not know it was on the banned list. And later, interestingly, he focused on his golf, especially the long driving competition, hitting the ball a mile, country mile, and he qualified for the 2005 World Long Drive Championship. And Justin Gatlin... So he's American sprinter and the 100 metres Olympic gold medalist at the 2004 Olympics. Now he returned from failed drug tests to claim that Olympic gold and a world title causing great controversy. Now in 2006 he was banned for eight years for failing a drug test for a second time. Now you think by then he would have received a lifetime ban, but nope, having already been banned for two years, in 2001, after testing positive to amphetamines. Now, after appealing the verdict, Gatlin had the ban reduced to four years in December 2007. And the 2000 Paralympic Spanish basketball team. Now, this was one of the great frauds. So, 
Yeah, the Spanish team won the gold medal in the basketball tournament in Sydney. However, a Spanish journalist revealed to the managers of the tournament that most of the Spanish players had not been checked or had a, or had a men- mental disability. Yeah, so after further investigations, it was found that 10 out of the 12 players did not have a mental disability. Interesting. And Israel Folau, one of the best dual internationals playing rugby league and rugby union for Australia, and regarded as one of the great Wallaby fullbacks. Now, he also had a stint playing for the GWS Giants when they first entered the AFL. So he's played in three football codes. Incredible. Now, unfortunately, Folau is also known for his controversial comments and found himself in hot water in 2018 when he posted a homophobic comment on Instagram. Now, a year later, Folau posted another controversial comment and he was dismissed by Rugby Australia and the New South Wales Waratahs. Folau then decided to take Rugby Australia and the Waratahs to court for a wrongful dismissal and he launched legal proceedings requesting $14 million in compensation, claiming he could have been captain for the Australian rugby team. Controversy continued when Folau recorded several questionable sermons at the church he attended. He made the ridiculous claim that some that same-sex marriage and abortion had caused the bushfires that ravaged New South Wales in late 2019. Now, finally, Folau and Rugby Australia came to a confidential settlement. And the Still Knock Six. So this was a scandal that rocked Australian swimming in 2013. And it was a year after the Australian swimming team produced one of their worst performances at an Olympic Games, only winning one gold medal. An independent review took place regarding reasons behind the poor performance. It was found that it was a toxic environment within the team, which involved the misuse of prescription drugs, breaching curfews, deceit and bullying. And swimmers Eamon Sullivan, James Magnuson, Cameron McAvoy and their 4 by 100 metre relay teammates gained the reputation as the Still Knock Six. They all admitted to taking the prescription sleeping drug during a bonding session leading up to the 2012 London Olympics. Some of the Still Knock Six also admitted to playing pranks on other team members, such as knocking on doors and making prank phone calls. Swimming Australia fined the swimmers for an amount that was undisclosed, and they were given deferred suspensions for breaches of their behavioural obligations. So, we're going to move on to our Where Are They Now for this week. And this week we're going back to the world of track and field. And there was a lot of uh, drug taking going on, illegal drug taking going on, especially in the 70s and 80s, in mainly the athletic world. And 
in weightlifting. So we're going to talk about a very famous former track and field athlete today, and his name is Ben Johnson. So he was born in Falmouth, Jamaica in 1961. Ben Johnson is a former Canadian sprinter who during the 1987-88 season was the fastest man in the world and at that time was one of the superstars of world sport. Johnson broke both the 100 metres and 60 metre indoor world records and won the 100 metres at the 1987 World Athletic Championships in Rome where he became the first man to beat 9.9 seconds. Johnson was born into a working class family in Jamaica and moved to Canada with his mother when he was age 15. He struggled to adjust to life in Canada, which was a world away to where he came from. He was a shy immigrant kid and was bullied at school. One day he'd had enough and he challenged the number one bully to a 100 metre race. Johnson thrashed the kid running 11 seconds and was never bullied again. Johnson became interested in sprinting and was in the Toronto district of Scarborough where Johnson met trainer Charlie Francis, who was a former Canadian 100-metre sprint champion in the early 1970s and was a member of the Canadian team at the 1972 Munich Olympics. Francis was also Canada's national sprint coach for nine years. Now, under Francis' guidance, Johnson began a course of steroids in 1981. According to CNN's James Montage, Francis believed that taking steroids was the only way to compete in a sport that was riddled with performance-enhancing drug use. It was an era where athletes using performance-enhancing drugs was not something that anyone seemed to want to know about, and Eastern European athletes had been using it at will. Now, under Francis's guidance, Johnson went to a new level, going from a thin, less athletic physique to a very muscle-bound athlete within a few years. Johnson ran on talent. However, he also ran on a lie. Johnson had his first international success when he won two silver medals at the 1982 Brisbane Commonwealth Games. He finished behind Alan Wells in the 100 metres final with his time being 10.05 seconds. Johnson was eliminated in the semi-finals at the 1983 World Athletic Championships in Helsinki and he finished fifth in the 100 metres final at the 1983 Pan American Games with a time of 10.25 seconds. Johnson improved in 1984, winning the bronze medal in the 100 metres final at the Los Angeles Olympics with American Carl Lewis winning the gold medal. Lewis was the golden boy of American track and field at the time and appeared in a class of his own. Now Johnson had by now established himself as Canada's number one sprinter and in 1985 he defeated Lewis for the first time. He picked up gold medals at the 1984 World Indoor Championships and had more success at the 1986 Goodwill Games where he defeated Lewis running 9.95 with Lewis running a time of 10.06 and at the 1986 Commonwealth Games he won a gold medal there too. Johnson broke the world record in the 60 metres with a time of 6.5 seconds. 
Johnson was establishing his dominance over Carl Lewis and gained world headlines. When he beat Lewis in the 100 metres final at the 1987 World Championships in Rome, setting a new world record of 9.83 seconds. He became a lucrative marketing celebrity and was earning lucrative marketing deals and was picking up awards which included the Associative Press Athlete of the Year for 1987. Now, after being defeated by Johnson in Rome, Carl Lewis came up with different reasons for why he was beaten. And some of these reasons included Johnson false starting and Carl Lewis saying that he had a stomach virus. Lewis also then came out and without naming anyone, he said, quote, there are a lot of people coming out of nowhere. I don't think they're doing it without drugs, end of quote. Johnson was calling out for the sport of track and field to be cleaned up and rid of performance-enhancing drugs. Many people, including Ben Johnson, began accusing Lewis of being a bad loser, and he was only speaking out now because he was being beaten. Now, the bitter rivalry between the two continued in the lead-up to the 1988 Seoul Olympics. Things didn't go the plan for Johnson, though, when he pulled a hamstring in February 1988 and when he aggravated the injury in May. Lewis ran 9.99 seconds in Paris in June that year and 9.93 seconds when he defeated Johnson a month out from the Games, with Johnson finishing third place, running 10 seconds flat. Lewis was cocky, saying the gold medal was his and that Johnson would never beat him again. Now, let's talk about the scandal. And it's considered by many to be the dirtiest race in history. So the biggest race in history, the greatest, some, many of the press was labelling us the greatest race of all time, would later turn out to be the dirtiest race in history. Now on September 24, 1988, the scene was set for the greatest 100 metres final of all time, in the 100 metres final at the Seoul Olympics. And I remember that day I got home from work, it was lunchtime, middle of the day, I was sitting there eating my lunch, watching this final and thinking, Ben Johnson, just cheering, ben, cheering for Ben Johnson. Now, there's an image of Johnson on the blocks, the start of that 100 metres final. He's got bloodshot eyes, his muscles are bulging. Now, it was a star-studded field which featured Johnson, Lewis, Linford Christie, who would go on to win the gold medal at the 1992 100m in Barcelona, American Calvin Smith, who was a former world record holder in the 100m, and his American teammate Dennis Mitchell. Now, the gun went off. Johnson was quickest out of the blocks, and at around the 60m mark of the race was clearly out in front. Linford Christie said when reflecting on the infamous race that he expected... Johnson to go hard for the first 60 metres and then die in the last 40 metres. He said, quote, Once the race started, he still went hard, the first 60, and still carried on. End of, six, end of quote. And that is what Johnson did, winning by several metres with one arm raised as he crossed the finish line. In just 46 strides, Johnson, 
had guaranteed himself sporting immortality by running faster than any man had in history. Johnson had smashed his own 100 metres world record with a time of 9.79 seconds and became the first Canadian sprinter to win the famous race since Percy Williams at the 1928 Olympics. Johnson claimed he would have even run faster if he didn't put his arm up in the air just before the finish line. Lewis, Lewis finished with the silver with a time of 9.92 seconds and Britain's Linford Christie finished with the bronze. Incredibly, four of the eight men in that race broke the 10-second barrier. Now, according to Tim Keeney in the BleacherReport.com, Johnson had established himself as the most important person in Canada. He was a hero worldwide, specially defeating the brash and cocky Lewis and smashing the world record in the process. The name Ben Johnson was big all around the world. However, two days after the race, Johnson went from hero to zero when the Olympic Doping Control Centre found that Johnson's urine sample contained the banned substance stanozolol, which is an anabolic steroid, and he was disqualified and was stripped of his Olympic 100 metres gold medal. I remember waking up that morning and hearing the news, and I was in disbelief. Now, it goes down as one of the biggest scandals in sporting history, and more information would be later revealed about this famous race. Ben Johnson then immediately returned to Canada in disgrace. Lewis was awarded the gold medal, Christie the silver, and Calvin Smith now the bronze medal. Johnson was now at the centre of the biggest scandal in sporting history. Johnson later admitted to having used steroids when he broke the world record in 1987 and had this record removed by the IAAF, the International Athletics Federation. Johnson and Coach Francis complained that they used performance-enhancing drugs to simply keep up with their opposition and that Johnson was one of the many top athletes taking drugs. And I still think to this day that Ben Johnson was made a scapegoat, sadly, for for this for the drugs in sport at this time, when many, many other athletes were doing it. It's just that Ben Johnson, he, uh, he one mistake that he made was that the timing he took, the timing of uh, when he took the steroids leading up to the Seoul Olympics, he didn't give himself enough time for it to clear his body because he is recovering from injury. Now, Charles Francis was a strong critic of the IOC testing procedures and admits in his book, Speed Trap, that all the top athletes at the time were taking anabolic steroids. He even stated that it was impossible that Johnson tested positive for the type of steroid that was found in his system and that Johnson preferred furazabol which is another type of steroid. Now, many athletes at the time understood how long before a race they should take the drugs and when they should stop taking them, if there may be a, a possible drug test. Now, you've got to remember Ben Johnson, he was racing the clock to be fit for the Seoul Olympics. And what came out of this after he, after he was caught for taking steroids 
what came out of it was called the Dublin Inquiry. Now, this was later set up by the Canadian government with the aim of uncovering the extent of drug use in sport. It began in early 1989. Now, it lasted 91 days with 122 witnesses being called, which included athletes, coaches, sports administrators, IAC representatives, doctors and government officials. Both Johnson and Francis were called to give evidence and Johnson admit, admitted here for the first time taking steroids. However, it was the testimony of Charles, Charlie Francis who passed away in 2010 that lifted the lid to the true extent of drugs in sport. Francis also mentioned that Johnson had been taking steroids since 1981. And before that, his best time without the use of drugs was 10.25 seconds. Now, very little came out of the inquiry, and it wasn't until 12 years later that WADA, which is the World Anti-Doping Agency, would be formed. Now, the IOC and athletics appear to have little interest in addressing the matter of drugs in sport, and it appeared to be a fight they did not want to get involved in. It was later found that only two of the eight runners from that 100 metres final at the Seoul Olympics remained clean throughout their careers. Now that was Calvin Smith, the eventual bronze medalist, and Brazilian Robson da Silva. Now even in the lead up to the 1988 Seoul Olympics, Lewis had tested positive for stimulants during the American Olympic trials and had a 12-week suspension overturned by the United States Olympic Committee, enabling him to compete at the Olympics and win his two gold medals. Because he was also a very, very good long jumper as well, winning the long jump gold medal in four Olympics. Lewis claimed he accidentally took the banned substance, which was in a herbal remedy. Now, Linford Christie was found to have metabolites of pseudoephedrine in his urine sample after a 200 metres at the 1988 Olympics, however, was cleared of any wrongdoing. Eventual bronze medalist Calvin Smith later stated that he should have been awarded the gold medal for the 100 metres. After Johnson's suspension ended in 1991, he attempted a comeback and was greeted by more than 17,000 spectators at an indoor Canadian track and field event. He finished second in the 50 metres in a time of 5.77 seconds. Johnson failed to qualify for the 1991 World Championships in Tokyo, however, made the Canadian Olympic team when he qualified for the 100 metres at the Canadian Olympic trials. He made it to the semi-finals, however, finished last when he stumbled out of the blocks. However, in 1993, Johnson was banned for life when he failed another drugs test. Now, with his athletics career over, Johnson drifted from job to job and at one stage worked as a personal trainer in Libya for Colonel Gaddafi's son, Saadi, who attempted to be a professional soccer player. Johnson also had a brief stint in 1997 as a trainer for soccer great Diego Maradona. Now, in 1998, Johnson appeared in a charity race where he raced a thoroughbred racehorse, a harness horse and a stock car. And guess where he, where he finished? He finished third. Still not bad. Now, by now, he was running 100 metres in around 11 seconds.
and was living downstairs in the house he shared with his mother, Gloria. His mother sadly passed away from cancer in 2004, and Johnson then lived with his sister. Johnson experienced some bad luck, which included losing his treasured Ferrari on a dodgy loan, being robbed of $7,300 in Rome by a Romani gang. Yeah, he chased after them, but they'd already escaped into the, the subway. He never saw that money again. And that $7,300, some of that, well, that money was from uh, his coaching, Colonel Gaddafi's son, Saadi. Some of the proceeds from that. Now, he chased them down, but just wasn't quick enough. So his clothing and sports supplement line that he launched in 2005 was unsuccessful too. Now, there was controversy in 2006 when Johnson appeared in an energy drink advertisement called Cheetah Power Surge. Now, many considered that Johnson was not a suitable spokesperson for an all-energy drink, considering his history of steroid use. Now, one of the advertisements features Johnson being asked, Ben, when you run, do you cheetah? And Johnson replies, Absolutely, I cheetah all the time. Now, another ad features Johnson and a cheetah, the world's fastest land animal, and viewers are encouraged to go and cheetah. So, yeah, if you have a look on the Facebook page, the Sports Shack Facebook page, I've uh, put some links on there. You, you can uh, have a look at those TV commercials. They're quite funny. Now, controversy followed in 2017 in Australia when Johnson appeared in an ad campaign to launch SportsBet's new Android app. Now, the ad featured Johnson saying, quote, it has tested positive for speed and power again and again, end of quote, and putting the roid in Android. And it featured Johnson in the starters blocks telling punters to get on it. The advertisement was soon banned and given the punt. Now, he claimed in an interview in 2006 that he was sabotaged by a mystery person following the 100 metres final in Seoul inside the doping control room. He also stated that 40% of people in the sports world were taking drugs. Now, in 2010, Johnson released his autobiography called Soul to Soul and talks about his childhood in Jamaica and having malaria at an early age. A four-year $37 million lawsuit, which Johnson filed against the state of his former lawyer, was unsuccessful in 2012. And in 2013, CBC radio documentary series Rewind, which was broadcasted for the 25th anniversary of the race, revealed that 20 athletes were tested positive for drugs were cleared by the IOC at the Seoul Olympics. An IOC official also reported that endocrine profiles performed at the Games indicated that 80% of track and field athletes tested at the Seoul Olympics showed evidence of long-term steroid use. However, very few of them were banned or had medals taken away from them. And you can see why the 1988 Seoul Olympics are often labelled the Drug Olympics. So let's look at what Ben Johnson is doing now. So he's now 61 years of age and he lives in Ontario, Canada. He spends 
Ontario, Canada. He spends a great deal of his time with his daughter and granddaughter and appears to have found stability in his life and in recent years appears to have avoided much of the publicity and scrutiny that followed him for many years. Now, he also continues to coach and has worked as a trainer with pro athletes such as NFL players Anthony Stewart, who was a Florida Panthers forward, and P.K. Subban, who was a defenseman. He plays for the Nashville Predators. Now, he appears to have found a home and some stability. He also coaches aspiring soccer stars, such as the ones at Geneva International Soccer School in Italy, at the Geneva International Soccer School. And he's still rather bitter with his unfair treatment by the IOC, claiming that he was made a scapegoat and sacrificed, hung up on a cross, while other athletes that were taking drugs were protected. Johnson said, quote, Everybody cheats. Who doesn't cheat in life? Everybody cheats in taxes. Every, everybody cheats in something. Why Ben Johnson? I'm not the only one who cheats in this world. End of quote. Now, he's come up with some different accusations over the years. Now, he believes that he still would have won the 100 metres final in 1988 without drugs and believes that he deserves a place among the greats of his sport. Johnson believes that the harder tracks today suit the modern generation of sprinters and he believes that he would break the 9.5 second barrier if running today. And he said, quote, no sprinter today could bench press 395 pounds. Now, this one thing that Ben Johnson was very well known for was his incredible strength. And I do remember hearing one story, you know, at the peak of his career when he was uh, working out in the gym and there were a lot of even you know, weightlifters in the room at the time. And yeah, they all stopped what they were doing because they were astounded by the incredible strength Ben Johnson had. Yeah, so his quote was, no sprinter today could bench press 395 pounds. Now in 1987 to 88, I won 25 finals against the best sprinters and that has never happened today. Unbeatable, end of quote. And that's the story of Ben Johnson. Right, so we'll move on to our Who Am I answer. And the answer is Kobe Bryant. So I'm going to give my top five sporting scandals of all time now. Now, it's a very subjective uh, topic, this one, but these are the ones that really stand out in my mind just for the, the impact they had on, the, on their sport. And yeah, so in fifth place... I'm going to put former Where Are They Now, Nancy Kerrigan, and the Tonya Harding scandal. And fourth place, I've got the Melbourne Storm salary cap scandal in the NRL. You know, when they had several premierships and minor premierships taken away from them. Third place, can't go past Sandpaper Gate, the damage that did to Aussie cricket. And second place, I've got our Where Are They Now Today, Mr. Ben Johnson and the 1988 Seoul Olympics. And in top spot, I have 
Lance Armstrong. Can't, I find I just cannot go past that. You know, living a life for so long and having those seven, seven Tour de France titles taken away from him. And thankfully, the world of cycling has been cleaned up a fair bit since then. So in the next episode, now we spoke about Maria Sharapova today and, uh, you know, being the glamour girl of tennis there for a while. And she did a lot of modelling as well and I would often see her in cover of magazines. And so I thought we'd go back We'll have a look at some sports people who have done modelling over the years. And so, yeah, not just, you know, both females and males. So that's all for this episode of the Sports Shack. And all sources for this episode are on the platform page. So it's a goodbye from Paul. And have a great sporting week. Goodbye.